When I was in elementary school, I discovered a classic song that I really liked. It was different than most songs I'd heard before, but what I really liked about it was this. We will rock you. Any sports fan in the world knows it like the back of their hand. When I first heard it, I thought it was the best thing since sliced bread. So naturally, I looked up some other Queen songs and was instantly a fan. Although, I didn't really understand some of their songs like Bohemian Rhapsody. Anyway, I soon found out that their lead singer, Freddie Mercury, was gay. This was surprising to my nine-year-old brain. Don't rock stars always sing about girls and stuff? Does this mean that Freddie Mercury doesn't think fat bottom girls make the rock and roll go round? <laughs> I didn't spend much time thinking about this because, again, I was nine. But over the years, I would find out other rock legends like Elton John were also gay. In high school, I got really into metal as well. One of my favorite bands was and still is Judas Priest. Their lead singer, Rob Halford, came out as gay in 1998. But knowing a rock star was gay never really meant much of anything to me. Like, they're there to make music, not be a civil rights icon or anything. Recently, however, as I thought more about it in preparation for this service, I realized that these rock icons, as well as other gay celebrities, get to enjoy a certain level of protection that most members of the LGBT community don't have. Sure, there are still a handful of people who diss them, and, but their fans tend to celebrate them for who they are. For every person that might harass them on the street, there will be many more who come to their aid. This is not the case for most members of that community. Many have been harassed or even assaulted simply for their sexuality or gender identity without anyone even coming to their assistance. So my challenge to all of you is that if you see somebody being harassed for who they are, be it their sexuality, race, religion, political stance, anything, stand up for them. If things get physical and you don't think you can deal with the harasser on your own, you can always call for help. Call the police if they're a threat to the person's safety. You can always make a difference by doing just that simple thing. Thank you. As a self-obsessed nation, we hear much of the concerns America has for itself regarding the state of rights of the LGBT community. However, the alternative and frequently worse conditions of other countries remain a scarce presence in the conversation of most Americans, even among those who care about civil rights. Homosexual relationships are still criminalized in 73 countries and even punishable by death in Iran, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, the UAE, and Yemen under Sharia law. In Syria and Iraq, the death penalty is carried out by non-state actors, including Islamic State, better known as ISIS. Some of these countries only criminalize sex between men, but a growing number have recently expanded their laws to include bisexuals, lesbians, and transgendered people. Also, in some nations where homosexuality has been decriminalized, LGBT people still face violence, arbitrary arrest, imprisonment, and torture, according to Amnesty International. 
Russia's gay propaganda law, which prohibits promotion of homosexuality among minors, has been used to detain activists and stop pride marches since it was adopted in 2013. LGBT people are in constant danger of of conversion therapy camps, which are still legal in 41 states in the U.S., according to a study by the Williams Institute think tank at UCLA. The report also reveals that nearly 700,000 adults in the U.S. have received conversion therapy at some point, including 350,000 who received the treatment as adolescents. Sam Brinton of the Trevor Project to provide crisis intervention and suicide prevention to LGBT youth wants the world to know that you can't change what what you never choose. Globally, there are few constitutional protections for LGBT rights compared to provisions to protect against gender or racial racial discrimination, such as Mexico, New Zealand, South Africa, and Sweden. However, while some countries remain in such an egregious stance on the issue, recognition of gay marriage is still expanding at a faster pace than ever before in our modern world. After the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that same-sex couples have a constitutional right to marriage in all 50 states, Australia and Germany followed in 2017 to legalize gay marriage, as did Malta, Bermuda, and Finland. There are currently 26 countries that allow gay marriage, and in Mexico, gay marriage is legal in some jurisdictions. I and a couple other members in our youth group will be attending the Unitarian Universalist United Nations intergenerational spring seminar in April. There we hope to become further educated in worldwide advocacy for gay rights as well as confronting internal biases and working against systems of white supremacy and heteronormativity. It is the job of all of us to encourage rights of all people throughout the world. With dedication such rights have been expanding but we are far from finished. May the 21st century be the era of acceptance and pride around the world. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Claudia Cruy, and some of you know me from previous times that I have spoken. I'm here to talk about my experiences with my friends in the LGBTQ community, but before I start, third time's the charm, um, I am bisexual, so I am open to male and female relationships romantically, and my mom just found out in the morning service because of this, so, <laughs> so, um, as some of you know, before I went to Middletown High School, I went to Catoctin High School, and keep in mind, as I'm telling you all of this, I'm not talking about everybody at Catoctin, just a good amount of ignorant ones. Most of my friends came out in sixth grade. Some in seventh grade, but mostly sixth. At first, it was no big deal. We were all 10 or 11 years old, so we were all finding ourselves in what we liked and what we didn't. So the last year of middle school, some of my friends moved. Some of them transitioned from female to male, male to female. This was the year I was asked if I was a dyke, like all my other friends. And I replied with no and thought nothing of it until the next couple days I was called a dyke, lesbian, and other words I don't think are too appropriate to say right now. 
But one day before school started, this boy threw gum in my hair saying that I was disgusting and how could I not like guys. I was known as, like, I identified myself as straight at the time. I did not realize that I was attracted to females and males, so I was definitely confused. But at this time, I was more emotional and a little out of control. So after school, I punched him. <laughs> and then I was known as the girl with anger issues. Fast forward to my freshman year, and I started making new friends, older friends, like juniors and seniors, because they made me feel safer. And I slowly began to ditch my old friends, the ones who were bold enough to make a statement. Now, at this point, you're probably wondering, where is this story going? The more I look back on my choices, the more I realize I ditched my friends because I was scared. I was scared of being called a lesbian or a dyke or any awful names those kids could think of and losing my self-control, letting them win. I'm guilty of this, and high school has changed us. We cannot deny that high school has not changed us in some way. And I'm ashamed of the way that it changed me because I was still there for them, but I didn't go up to them and talk to them in school. Now, whenever they were bullied, I would step in, but I still didn't do what I should have done. I should have stayed by them. Now, by this time, most of my old friends have moved to new schools, ones where they're more accepting of the LGBTQ community, while I moved to Middletown High School, where I made friends from all friend groups that I could. But society has impacted us, the people, and you may not realize it till later, you may know now, but the people you're around can change you, and it's not always a good change. So I'm telling you now, never do what I did to my friends. Never turn away because you're scared, because your beliefs and your opinions are yours to keep, and everybody should fight for what's right. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, I'm Nora. Um, my preferred pronouns are she and her. And today I'm going to be talking a little bit about gender identity and sexuality fluidity. As human beings, we like to label things. In fact, humans have labels for just about everything. This is a chair. This is a table. This is rock and roll. This is a poodle. You get the idea. It helps us feel that we understand what things are, and naming things in our worlds can provide an illusion of control and stability. A table will always be a table, and a chair will always be a chair, but a chair is an inanimate object and not a human being. Unlike things, people can't always be identified by their outward appearances and structures because people grow and change both outside and inside. I'm a part of the LGBTQ community, and over the past few years, my sexual identity has developed and changed because I'm learning so much about myself and I'm developing from all of my life experiences. I've always felt pressure to accept one label. Am I straight, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, asexual? And I've come to realize that trying to adopt just one label affects not only the way that people see me, but the way that I think about myself and my choices and my feelings. 
I've dated both boys and girls, people who identify as cisgender, meaning that they're the same gender as the one that they were given at birth, and then people who are transgender, which is they identify as a different gender than the one assigned at birth. That what I think I know now is that sexual identity doesn't have just one label because it's fluid and it looks different for everyone. When we label sexual identity and gender, we're reinforcing the myth that there is a typical male and a typical female, and people who don't resemble the typical model are regarded as other and are sometimes subjected to social abuse or just plain old misunderstanding. My own experiences have been more like misunderstanding than abuse. For example, when I've introduced my girlfriend at a concert or a performance or whatever, well-meaning and accepting people have commented that I didn't look like the kind of girl who likes girls. That made me wonder, what does the type of girl who likes girls look like? So I googled it. <laughs> so when I googled, what does a lesbian look like? I was greeted with images of girls with ponytails, pixie cuts, and buzz cuts, girls in flannel with big headbands pulled lower than their hairlines, girls with piercings, girls in dresses and skirts, girls in tank tops and jeans. And there wasn't just one look. So why was I told that I didn't look like them? A common perception is that lesbians are masculine because they like other girls. So therefore, they must be like guys. Sure, some lesbians dress in what is considered a more masculine way. But does the way that we dress really affect our sexuality? My style's changed a lot over my past 15 years of life, but that's never influenced my sexuality or my gender identity. I've always identified as a female with she and her pronouns. And just because I wear a t-shirt from the men's section of H&M does not mean that I'm gay or that I want he, him pronouns. And just because someone who identifies as a boy wears makeup does not mean that he is gay or that he wants she or her pronouns. There is no one look for any gender or sexuality because everyone is different. Labels can be useful for so many purposes, but they also limit us. And when used on people, they limit our understanding of our own and other people's unique identities. We all have different backgrounds and values and personalities, so maybe we shouldn't place everyone in boxes and assume that they're one thing when they're the only ones who can tell us what they are. Next time you meet someone new, when you introduce yourself, you can choose to introduce your pronouns, even if you think they're obvious, and ask them theirs. Thank you. My name is Joey, and I am gay. Despite how comfortable I am with myself, how supportive my family and friends are, it's still incredibly hard to say that. Every time I say that word, I become so afraid. I'm afraid of alienation, afraid of judgment, afraid of retribution. I feel everyone's eyes on me and the attention is frightening. I don't know if I'll ever be able to announce myself as a queer person without feeling like I'm dehumanizing myself, otherizing myself, 
When you grow up learning that you're outside the norm in a way that you don't even understand, it's easy to, be- to start to believe that you're incorrect within your own skin. When I was little, my circle siblings and I, pagan, my, cir- my pagan circle, like the, my pagan circle siblings and I, not actual siblings, but like friend siblings, my circle siblings and I had a little Halloween photo shoot. I was dressed as a dinosaur, and all my friends were dressed up as princesses, and I was crying. And my parents didn't understand why. It was my circle aunt who came up to me and said, I have another princess dress. Would you like to wear it? So I gleefully posed for the camera as Tinkerbell, completely elated, and I was too. My dad tells me that when this happened, his first thought was, oh no, because he knew that this life was gonna be harder for me. I had no idea that there was anything different about me playing with dolls and twirling around in princess dresses. There was one instance where I had a Polly Pocket doll and my friend at at my dance center had a G.I. Joe and he said, why are you playing with a Polly Pocket doll? That's a a dog, boys don't play with dolls. And I said, you're playing with a doll. (laughs) But my femininity didn't make me any less of a boy and it didn't restrict me from also liking typically masculine things. Then I went to school, and people had no idea what to make of me. I remember kids would always ask me, why do you play with dolls? I didn't know what the answer was supposed to be. I got asked why I liked feminine things and made fun of enough to the point where I felt guilty for being who I was. When I was just in kindergarten, a fifth grade boy called me a retard and a faggot and pushed me in the puddle. I told my mom that Cece and I were playing and we got a little wet. I didn't want her to worry. Throughout elementary school, people would ask me, Joey, are you gay? I barely knew what that meant, and I didn't even know what it meant in accordance to myself. But the way that they asked it made it seem like there was only one correct answer, no. But that wasn't the correct answer for me. But the worst part about all the things that people said or did to me was the fact that a part of them was right. And I knew it. I was made to feel wrong, and I still carry that wrongness inside of me. It is twisted and dark, and it's covered with thorns, tangled around this beautiful, innocent thing that is my queerness. My queerness is more than my romantic preference, It is who I am at all hours of the day. I am queer when I go to sleep. I am queer when I wake up. I am queer in a relationship or not. I was queer when I was two years old and I am just as queer now. And every time I speak that word, I am holding my queerness in my hand, bleeding from the thorns but bathing in truth. I am gay and I am human and I am so much more. And with those words, I can heal myself. And I can heal the people who don't understand me. Because queer honesty is queer power. And with a couple of words, you can change someone's mind. Thank you.